Welcome to Writing the Wrong Way. This is a podcast for serious writers who want to develop their skills in artistry and stand out in a crowded industry by taking intelligent, creative risks. I'm your host, Jonathan Ball. I hold a PhD in literature. I'm the author of uh, numerous books, and I take a very analytical approach to art making, emphasizing both efficiency and experimentation. Merry Christmas, if that's your thing. Um, In the spirit of the season, I want to make today's uh, Christmas podcast about uh, generosity, you know, talking a little bit about giving um, and the sort of, you know, ways that giving, being generous can make you a better writer and actually, you know, one, I think, help your actual uh, career as a writer and even more importantly than that, help your practice as a writer, your actual writing craft to a certain degree. But of course, you know, fundamentally, um, the reason to be generous is to be generous. You know, uh, Immanuel Kant uh, distinguishes, the philosopher distinguishes between things that are ends in themselves and means to an end. And I think generosity is unique, maybe not unique, but it is uh, something that is both an end in itself. It's something you should, you know, do for its own sake, and its highest uh, value, in a matter of speaking, is itself. You know, being generous is primarily uh, something you should do for the sake of being generous. But additionally, uh, being generous actually is a good strategy to get certain things um, that you might want into your life. Um, so just before I get on this topic, I just want to mention uh, again, um, uh, the show notes are always at jonathanpaul.com or writingtherongway.com. Uh, writingtherongway.com uh, will take you to where you know you, all the podcasts and uh, the archives and show notes for every episode are available. This specific episode is jonathanball.com slash 19. So 19, the numerals, 19 jonathanball.com slash 19. That's going to get you the show notes where you get an article that kind of breaks down the three core reasons uh, that I'm going to talk about today that I think generosity are a good practice uh, for you, you know, to make you a better writer. Um, But again, fundamental to all this uh, and basically what even the strategy of generosity breaks down to is fundamentally you, you can't be doing it as a strategy. You know, there are good reasons to be doing it. There are good reasons to be generous with your uh, work uh, and your creative uh, process and putting things out into the world in a you know, generous manner. Um, but ultimately, I think what has to happen is you have to be doing these things for their own sake. You know, there's sort of secondary effects that maybe are positive effects for you, um, but they won't really come unless you're doing things for your own, their own sake. So it's a bit of a paradox in a sense. Um, where you really have to be focusing on generosity as an end in itself. Um, but if you are doing that, you'll find secondarily that generosity can also be a means uh, to certain ends. Um, as we kind of segue into that, I just want to note um, a few of the things that I'm doing here. This is, again, um, the Christmas episode. It just happens to be airing on Christmas because that's a Tuesday. I'm, it's not Christmas right now as I'm recording it, but... Um, is going to come out on Christmas. So again, I thought, you know, the generosity uh, being something I think about a lot um, would make a good topic for today. Um, next week, uh, 
what we're going to do is talk with Ryan Fitzpatrick, who co-created the 95 Books Reading Challenge with me. So I'm giving you a bit of heads up on that. You know, we're going to talk a little bit about the 95 Books Reading Challenge, and we're going to talk a bit about some of the best books we read uh, in the year and in 2018. Uh, in 2019, I'm also going to do the 95 Books Reading Challenge. Um, if you go to 95books.com, you can find uh, information about that challenge, um, which uh, and get just a bit of basic rundown around what 95 Books is. Uh, but again, next week, Ryan and I will talk about it for you. Um, I'm changing a lot of the things that I do going into the new year. I've been thinking through what I've been doing in the last few months and figuring out how to streamline it. I have found that I'm, I've am i kind of end up in a space where I'm doing too many projects. And as I was talking about last podcast in on episode 18, johntheball.com slash 18, if you didn't already hear it, the episode on productivity, the first core thing is to focus and have your priority figured out. Um, of course, you have multiple things you're doing all the time. Uh, for me, uh, historically, there's been so many different projects I've started and developed, and I kind of hit a space where I was having, I was doing all these different things, and I was spread across the web in various ways. You know, I own like 20 websites. <laughs> so I started kind of stripping them down last year uh, and consolidating them all at jonathanball.com, more or less. They're not quite all there, but they're mostly consolidated there. And then recently, I just started relaunched. I did kind of a soft relaunch because I'll talk about it more fully in the new year. But it is sort of soft relaunch of jonathanball.com. If you happen to have stumbled across it lately, you'll notice it looks different. Um, and there is um, less content just immediately available on it. Um, one of the things that's going to happen in 2019 is that there'll be more things there than there really ever has been before. But uh, in a sort of temporary segue, there's going to be kind of less things obviously available. Uh, I'm sort of trying to strip it, everything down really to its core basics and then kind of refine everything I'm doing a little bit. And then I'm going to kind of build things up again. In 2019, like I say, I'm really going to focus on stripping things down to their core essence and then developing up a bit more fully and going a little bit more in depth. So this podcast is something that I'm going to keep. I'm keep doing this podcast. I'm going to try to find some ways to kind of dive even deeper on this podcast um, with, you know, some guests and also some solo episodes. If you have particular suggestions, um, I'd love to hear them. I mean, again, I'm in this period of trying to figure out what I'm doing precisely. I mean, I know what I'm doing, but I'm trying to figure out precisely how to refine those things. So things like this podcast, um, if you have particular suggestions about it, you know, for topics or uh, just general things you think um, would be great to have on the podcast, uh, just email me. I'm always at jonathan at jonathanball.com. So J-O-N-A-T-H-A-N is how you spell Jonathan. That's the correct spelling of Jonathan, J-O-N-A-T-H-A-N, um, at jonathanball.com. Uh, all that sort of uh, said, again, in 2019, there's some really exciting projects that I'm going to kind of come to the fore. I'm going to put out another poetry book. Um, I've got a short story book that I'm going to be finalizing, which will come out the following year. And I'll give you a lot of the behind the scenes into those two projects. I'm going to show you a lot of things um, uh, behind the scenes. So if you're not already on uh, my newsletter, 
which is uh, jonathanball.com slash newsletter. Um, go there and sign up. You can find it really anywhere on the website. You'll, it'll ask you to sign up like in 80 different places. Um, the reason I want you all in that newsletter, if you're not already on it, is that I'm every week uh, I'm sharing the best thing I write that week. I'm going to send you the actual best page I wrote uh, you know, that week. As opposed to you know, years down the line when things finally get published. No, no, you'll get access to it right then. And then maybe more importantly, I'm going to talk a little bit about what I wrote, like how I managed to construct that page. Um, what are the tools that I used? You know, what are some of the um, tricks and tips uh, to try to get that going? If I'm doing editing, you'll see, for example, like some of my editing techniques and some insights to really specific examples. Um, the really core shift I'm making in the 2019 in terms of the writing instruction is I'm getting further and further and further into really specific, deep examples. What I find uh, is that there's a lot of information online about um, writing, you know, how to do this, how to do that, but much of it is very um, surface level or very superficial uh, in the sense that it's kind of giving you a quick skim over the topic. Uh, I'm going to, as this podcast develops and as my website uh, develops a bit more fully just keep going deeper and deeper like my so my sort of goal down the line is to be writing about topics that are kind of of interest to fewer people but is really going deep into those things um, so if you have really specific things that you want me to talk about if you've ever had some really specific questions about writing um, you know anything that's really confused you or you just maybe you got some information about it but you want just more information like you can't find the thing that you want to know in detail uh, that's the thing i want to know about so drop me a line um, jonathan at jonathanball.com or you know find me on social media or whatever uh, and just tell me what is the thing that you want to know uh, what is the thing that you can't find information on somewhere else or the thing that you just are having the hardest time with i really want to know what you're having the hardest time with and particularly if there's some uh, way that i could kind of go deep into that subject for you um, maybe with the help of a guest uh, and really kind of get to the heart of that matter uh, so uh, it'll be very exciting to do this stuff in 2019 i'm very uh, grateful um, that you're listening and that uh, if you're one of my patrons on patreon uh, thank you uh, and if you're not uh, thanks anyway um, so i want to talk about generosity in three particular issues one of the issues there's sort of three ways in which generosity i think is a powerful practice uh, for writers it can sound very um new agey I think to say things like this, it kind of makes me, my skin crawl sometimes to say, you got to be grateful, you got to be generous. It's just not like my personality, like I'm a nihilist, pessimist. <laughs> but um, at the same time, you know, I have a very scientific and analytical approach to things. I don't believe in, you know, any sort of um, vague, airy-fairy uh, kind of nonsense. I think that everything... Uh, especially everything to do with writing, which is craft, 
everything can be brought uh, down to the level of practical, almost scientific application. Uh, so I don't believe in a lot of the abstract um, spiritual ideas about you know why you should be generous. I think there's like ethically it makes sense on just a really cold <laughs> philosophical level. I think it's important to be generous, but also on a very practical and specific level. I think there are three, for writers at least, there are three core um, benefits. The first is that generosity is the best marketing. Um, the best way to actually market your work is to be generous. Now, creative writing is maybe not unique, but it's very uh, particular in the way that it is a product. You know, if you want to get into the cold business uh, aspect of it, let's say you are a person who you know is creating art, is writing creatively, or you know maybe even writing nonfiction, but you're writing. Let's say assume writing creatively for the sake of the example, um, and you are confused about how to market your work. How do you get people to buy books? How do you get people to pay for your writing? Um, how do you make a career out of this, or even just make a part-time? You know, extra bit of boost to money for when the kids are sick or something. Well, uh, it's not an easy question to answer, um, and I think it baffles a lot of writers. Uh, I'll get more into marketing issues and more particular detail in later podcasts. So again, if you have a really specific question, um, even if I don't know the answer, I can you know, Paul guessed it, and we can both learn. Um, let me know if you do have these really specific questions. In a broad sense, the thing to keep in mind about your creative work is that it doubles as its own marketing. The best marketing for your work is your work. Uh, so there are two uh, core types of marketing that um, are useful to creatives. One is something called content marketing, which is that basic idea that I was talking about, uh, that your work is its own marketing. It, you know, the best thing to market your fiction, for example, is your fiction. Um, and so uh, if, for example, you want to sell novels, like that's your thing, you, you want to write novels and sell novels, um, the absolute best way to market your novels is to give away your novels, either whole novels or parts of your novels, um, etc. Now you see this happening all the time. You go to Amazon, you can download, you know, an ebook uh, sample. The idea being that, well, you know, you read the sample, you like it enough, you'll buy the book. So that's the simplest form of content marketing. Um, it doesn't always work super well, but you know, of course, it does work. If you've ever read an ebook sample and then bought the ebook, you'll know that does work. Um, I kind of subscribe to an extreme form of content marketing, which is that I believe um, that you should give away a lot of work and you should consider giving away all your work. Now, uh, I don't give away all my work, but I give away quite a bit of work. Um, I know other people who do give away all their work. Derek Ballyu, uh, as a simple example, is an author slash artist. Uh, if you go to his website, uh, which I'll link to in the show, it's derekbalyu.ca, I believe. Um, Derek Balyu gives away basically everything. All his books are available as PDFs you can download. Um, all his single pieces he basically publishes on that website. You know, basically everything Derek Balyu has ever produced you can get for free, either 
you know, you can buy it also sometimes, but often you can just get it directly for free from him or just somewhere else. If there's something that Derek doesn't have available for free, like say a publisher puts out a book of his and it isn't for free, the publisher doesn't want to give it away for free, he'll then pirate the book <laughs> and like put it somewhere, you know, uh, in some way, shape, or form. So, you know, that's a really extreme example. You think to yourself, well, how does a guy like that make money? Well, the simplest answer to a question like that is there are basically two things you can sell and make money from as a writer. You can make money from products, which, you know, you're writing, for example, or you can make money from services. You know, so doing some writing for another person, for example. Generally speaking, and there are, of course, exceptions to this, but generally speaking, it is easier um, to sell services than products. There's downside to selling services, which, you know, um, services are more time consuming to produce. You can only, you know, if you have to do some writing, well, you know, let's say it takes you five hours to write something. Well, you, you know, you have to sit down and write something for five hours. So you can't use that five hours for something else. That's just how it boils down. If you're charging, you know, 50 bucks an hour, um, that's it. Every hour you make 50 bucks max. And that's the end of it. You only have 24 hours in a day. Of course, you can't just, you know, be writing every hour, et cetera, et cetera. So services have sort of upsides and downsides. One, they tend to be more higher priced. Two, they tend to be much more difficult to sell. Um, but, you know, you don't have to sell as many services because they're so much more high priced. Um, products, on the other hand, generally are harder to sell. It's usually, or, or, or they can be easier to sell, they can be harder to sell, it depends. Um, but let's, in, in general sense, they cost less for the most part, you know. Uh, we'll get into products and services in some other podcast, but uh, generally speaking, like let's say you got a book. Well, somebody can buy your book for, let's say, $20. Uh, if you bought my book right now, if you went into a bookstore and bought my book, Clockfire, um, I would, the publisher, I think you'd pay about $18. I would make $1.80. So if you, I sell you a copy of Clockfire, I make $1.80. Now, that's pure profit because I don't have to do anything. You just walk into the bookstore after listening to this podcast, you buy it. I didn't really do anything. Like there's no moment I like sat down and sold you the book. Like it didn't take my time up, let's say. If everybody listening to this went out and did it, you know, I'd make, I don't know, 180 times whatever that mountain of people would be. Um, and I didn't have to do anything. So like within one hour, let's say it takes me out to record this podcast, you know, I might make anywhere from, you know, $1.80 to, or, you know, zero, <laughs> but all the way up to, let's say, I don't, let's say this podcast sits there forever. And, you know, over time I sell thousand copies of Clockfire and I make whatever the math on that is. Um, I don't even know cause I'm so bad with math. Um, you know, $1,800, let's say. Well, great. Um, there's no real limit in terms of products, like especially theoretically speaking, your product sales could maybe be like passively derived in this sort of way. Um, so some ways like products are a better thing to sell, but they don't make as so much money, generally speaking. Other ways, services are better to sell. You know, the very time consuming. There's all sorts of trade offs. Regardless, 
um, giving away products, giving away your work, um, I think is the best way to market your work. Um, if people like your short story, they may like your book of short stories. Um, but even more than that, let's say you just give away every short story that you write. You never sell a short story in your entire life. Um, you can still probably make good money becoming known as a writer of good short stories. So if you go and like, if you go and read a short story and get paid to do that reading, well, maybe you haven't made any money from the short story, but you maybe made more money doing that reading. Um, again, if you just, one of the things that Derek Beaulieu uh, managed to do with his um, profile that he kind of developed through giving all his work away, is eventually he landed in a really you know great job as the uh, as the creative director at Banff. So at the Banff um, literary um, retreats uh, and all the sort of programming that they do, you know, Banff, this beautiful place in Alberta, in the Canadian Rockies. So uh, there are all sorts of ways to derive an income uh, as an artist that do and don't depend on selling work, you know, selling your products. But even beyond that, so whether you're trying to sell books or whether you're just giving books away for free, uh, I think fundamentally giving things away for free is a way to do that. Cory Doctorow you know, famously gives a lot of his, well, I think he still does this. He used to give every book of his away for free, even as it was coming out with you know, major publishers. I'm not sure if he still does that precisely, but um, it is a sort of real strategy to give your work away for free. You just then have to figure out what, where's your money coming from. You know, if it's not coming from selling work, um, you know, it's got to come from somebody somewhere else, right? But again, maybe you've got a speaking career and you're kind of giving your content away, again, doing content marketing to boost, boost your speaking career uh, or whatever. But even beyond that, even if you're not going to make a dollar, let's say, theoretically speaking, that you're... Um, you make no money off your work. You can't sell a product. You can't sell a service. Um, you're just uh, in this situation of giving your work away for free. I still think it makes sense. You know, uh, even as uh, you, there's always some way that you can manage to survive if you develop an audience. You know, if you're giving your work away and you develop that audience, um, you know, that audience will be the thing that carries you through every single uh, economic um, shift, every single, uh, you know, change to Google or Facebook's algorithm, uh, anything you rely on in terms of technology or in terms of uh, a job, etc. If you have an audience that is willing, um, who, who, that loves your work and knows who you are, um, there's always some way you can kind of survive. You know, the audience it will be generous to you if you're generous to them. I just believe that firmly. Um, so, you know, I give a lot of work away. Uh, sometimes there's a strategy behind giving things away, like I'm giving this away and I'm thinking, well, maybe this thing down the line will get sold or I'll you know, make money on a somebody hiring me to do editing or writing or whatever. But other times, you know, I just am giving things away because I want to be in the habit of giving things away. It's more important to me to be giving you something for free um, than it is to, you know, be scheming 
some way I'm going to make money off it. This podcast is a simple example. I, it costs me money to make this podcast. I don't make a dime doing this podcast. Uh, it is just the thing I do. Um, one, because I want to do it um, for you. Like I just want to do something for you. And this, I think, is a, a interesting thing to do. Um, it's something that I want to learn more about. So it's an opportunity for me to talk to people, you know, hang out with my friends and put a microphone there. And yeah, I have an excuse to hang out with them now you know, in, in an otherwise busy week or, you know, just a way to meet people um, and, you know, just get to talk to people and learn from them. Um, but fundamentally, it's just something I'm doing to give to you. Uh, I don't really have any plan to make money off this podcast in some future world. Uh, I don't know, maybe in some manner it'll end up being worth it and i guess in money terms but i somehow doubt it. i think this podcast is going to be a financial drain <laughs> generally speaking i don't see a business model for the podcast um and i'm not interested in advertising and so on like and so forth but um you know i just think it's the kind of thing that uh i can do for you i think it's more valuable than other things i could do for you in terms of valuable for you um, and I think it's something that just fundamentally, you know, bare minimum gets you and other people to know who I am. Maybe I'll make money off of knowing who I am or not. Uh, but generally speaking, I think it's a good approach to, you know, just build an audience that giving things away. You can always, um, I've, Corey Doctorow once said along, something along the lines of, it's hard to monetize obscurity. <laughs> you know, it's hard to monetize uh, fame, but it's even harder uh, to monetize obscurity. And while I don't think the goal is, you know, to become famous uh, or the goal is to necessarily be thinking of ways to monetize an audience, I think the goal is just to build an audience. You want your work to connect to an audience, um, even if you're never going to make a dime doing that you still that's what you want for your work right you're doing this creative work there's there's easier ways to make money than writing let's just face it um you know if you have a hundred dollars in your pocket um you know you're worse off investing it in your creative project than you are investing it in a stock market so um fundamentally i think at a certain level even if you have the goal of making money i think fundamentally at a certain level uh, that's not your real goal. Your real goal should be, and I think is, to do the work, to do the creative work and have it connect to an audience. And I think that um, at that base level where your fundamental real goal beyond making money or beyond you know making a name for yourself is just to connect the work with people. Uh, and so if that's your goal fundamentally, I think you need to be giving away work. And also you should be giving away your best work your absolute best work. Sometimes people get this content marketing idea in their head, um, but they get stingy about it. They think, well, I'll give some stuff away and then I'll keep my best stuff and try selling the best stuff. I think that's backwards. I think you should be, you know, you should be selling good work, but your best work, you should be giving away. Again, that's what I do every week. Every week, you know, I write however many pages I write, say I write 10 pages in a week, well, I find the best one of those pages and I just email it out to everybody for free. Everybody on my email list gets my best page every week for free. 
you know, think of it like a creative tithe. You know, a 10% of the work I make, roughly speaking, I just give away for free. And it's the best work. It's not the, you know, junk or the, you know, kind of less great stuff. It's the absolute best thing I think that I produced. I give it away to you for free. Why do I do that? Um, well, there's a lot of reasons for it, but the core reason I think is that um, I want to give you my best work. Like I want, uh, it's about giving something to you now, not selling something to you later. I think that's an important distinction to make, an important attitude to have. If you have that attitude, I think, where you're trying to really um, give your best material to your audience and develop an audience through giving out your best material, I think that the audience will, in its return, take care of you and be generous back, you know, when it's warranted or when they can, um, you know, when you know you got you maybe when you need it uh, at certain moments so the audience giving back to you isn't the, the goal or the point necessarily but i do think it is a secondary um thing that will happen if you have the right spirit of generosity and you're approaching things in that spirit if you're not approaching things in that spirit of generosity then you are kind of strategizing that it's fundamentally for you about selling something later uh, i think that it's going to backfire on you um, it's just like if you decide you're going to write, you don't like romance novels and you're going to write a romance novel to make money. Sometimes you hear people do things like that. It always backfires because the audience can smell it. They can smell that you just want the money. They can smell you're not passionate and they can smell your um, cynicism. Uh, and I think that the same is true in terms of this you know, content or permission marketing. There's a way that I think it, permission marketing and content marketing are effective marketing methods but i think they only are truly effective when you are um coming at everything from that spirit of generosity and you have that um desire to really make a connection and that's your priority and you know other things like sustainable business or secondary concerns uh, considerations for me i mean i do a lot of things that uh where i can make money maybe doing something different or differently but that's not how i want to do things and so um i think you know you always want to stay close to just being generous and, and focusing on that you know maybe just be kind of smart about how you're doing it and think a little bit through you know not just what is um the thing you want to do what's going to best help uh, your audience sometimes it's not the same thing the other th just thing I think is important about generosity is I think generosity is the best networking. Uh, I find that's another term that writers use, like marketing, networking. Uh, there's these two terms that writers use, and I think often they use them wrong, and I think often they have the wrong intentions behind them. Again, marketing is not necessarily a bad thing in the sense of trying to you know, connect to your audience, reach your audience, find your audience. Um, and then give something to your audience. Um, I think that is the right way to approach marketing, as I just said. But of course, there's this wrong way to do marketing. Networking is similar. I think it's a word that writers use often, so I'm using it. And but I don't like the word that much, in part because I don't. I think there's two misconceptions about networking uh, that writers have. One is that 
I think writers don't network properly uh, on a fundamental level. Because I think the best way to network is just to be generous. You know, you find people, I th- and I think what a lot of writers do uh, is they try to network in the sense of trying to find, like, who's the person who can help me? Who's the person who can help me? Let's find a way to connect to that person. Uh, now, I'm not super famous or anything, but, you know, um, I've been the person in a room that others want to network with. You know, I've been in those rooms where, you know, I'm not a big fish, but in that room, I was the big fish. And if you've ever been in a similar situation, maybe you've got a few books behind you and uh, you've been in a similar situation, maybe maybe you've been on a panel at a conference, or you've been, you know, at a reading that you're launching your book or or you've been in some other scenario maybe where somebody's coming up to you and you can smell, like a shark can smell blood in the water. You can smell that they don't have a true interest in you you know they just have a sort of self-interest that they think they can get to through you so maybe they're being very nice to you and like from an objective point of view like a person observing the encounter might think oh that's a very nice person Uh, it's really nice how they came up to john and did that or said that but you know or you know subjectively is a very different thing that's happening. Um, I think sometimes writers lose sight of that basic idea uh, that they shouldn't connect to others from a place of, let's use this person somehow. Um, Other writers come at it like, well, you know, if I help, I can help them if they help me. I also think like that's the wrong way to go about it. Like you shouldn't be like speed dating with other writers to try to figure out, oh, like who are the people I can help that can also help me. Um, there's a few problems with that approach to networking. So one, again, if you're just kind of coming at a person thinking, I want to connect this person because they can help me. They can smell it and they won't. The last thing they want to do is help you. Uh, secondarily though, like if you're coming out from a place of re- reciprocity, oh, you know, if they help me, I'll help them. Again, that doesn't work because even when you do manage to establish a good relationship uh, of reciprocity, if that's the basis of the relationship, I'm helping this person because they're helping me. At a certain point, one person in the relationship will just ditch the other for a bigger person. Like that's not a long-term self-sustaining relationship. Um, it could have like these short-term gains perhaps, but you're never going to make a long-term gain or relationship. I think those are the two ways a lot of writers approach networking. The best way to approach networking, I think, is to come at it from the spirit of generosity and think to yourself, not who do I want to connect with because they can help me, but to be thinking, who do I want to connect with because I can help them? Um, if you come at it from that way, you know, I'm going to build a network by just helping other people. I'm going to connect to this person because I can help that person. And you don't necessarily have a thing you want in return. Um, or if you do have something you want, you'd like in return, you don't, you don't, you don't, that's not the reason for it. You're not making the ask. You know, if they ever offer, you'll accept the offer, but you're not going to go at it and, you know, ask. I think generally speaking, it's best 
uh, as a policy to try to come you know at meeting people from that place of generosity there's a few reasons for that one is that i do think long term it's a more effective way to meet people um because then you're actually making a real relationship even if that person never like quote unquote does anything for you like even if that person never helps you in your career in any way um you will still like gain from that relationship in the sense of again it being an end in itself you know you'll have a good relationship that then you will make you a better individual um you'll learn from that person just by being around them um they're you know success will just kind of rub off on you not in the sense of they're opening doors for you uh, but in the sense of like inspiring you or giving you a bit of a direction in your in terms of being an inspiration in that way or even just you know they're doing something you're like oh i'll try doing that thing they're doing um i find it really valuable some of my best friends who are artists um have been a real like value to me in the sense of i just feel competitive with them <laughs> you know like so like i don't want to hang out with them because they just get me fired up you know uh, and inspires me and seeing them succeed is really great um and even when it's something like i would like to do i don't get jealous of them i just am like excited for them and uh, i kind of am like I got to try to like do something like that. You know, it's, you know, I think there's a very healthy way to do networking in that sense. Um, so you want to build a network in other words, like you want to like connect to these other people um, because being in that network is going to make you better. Um, again, the network I think is of value in itself. Trying to like use your network to gain things is i think the wrong approach i think like networking is good if it's that approach from that spirit of generosity where you're just trying to connect to people so that you can be connected to them um, and so that you can you know share in their successes in the sense of um, being happy for them and supporting them uh, again i think you really want to focus on helping other people ultimately what you want from a network is just to be in it and uh, for it to be good, like to, to be a good dynamic and you want to be part of a community that is a strong and healthy community. Uh, and even if you're not making a career gain by being part of that community, um, great. And, you know, that's not the point. The point is not to make a career gain. The point is to um, be around other people who are making career gains uh, and helping them, helping them, you know, in their careers. That's just the kind of community that you want to be part of. You don't want to be, you know, uh, you don't want to be in a web of warring spiders, right? You don't want your network to just be a web of warring spiders. You want it to be, you know, uh, this beautiful garden where everything is blooming. And if your career has to take a back seat while you help somebody else, uh, I think that's great, you know. It's not a race. Uh, and the other thing that consider in terms of networking uh, is I think writers are, have a misconception about how useful it is um, and how you're at network. I think if you don't know people, you don't realize how little it helps to know people. <laughs> it sounds weird to say that, but 
honestly, like if you're kind of listening to this and you're thinking, this guy's crazy. He, of course, knows all these writers. He's probably benefited from them in various ways. You know, he he just doesn't understand or doesn't remember what it was like to not know anybody. Well, look, uh, I was just traveling down to northern Ontario to visit my family. Uh, I had my daughter with me, my older 18-year-old daughter, Jessie. And she was talking about, like, wow, what it must have been like to... This is, like, a small town of, like, 100 people. There's, like, nobody there. Um, and the t- area is very isolated. It's like northern, northwestern Ontario. The closest city is Winnipeg, which is you know four-hour drive away. And Jenny Jesse was saying to me, "Wow, what must it have been like to live, around, grow up around here? I wonder what it'd be like." She was kind of just looking at the window because, of course, she grew up in Winnipeg in a city. And um, she's like, "I wonder what it was like to grow up around here." And I was like, "Well, <laughs> you know, it was crushingly isolating." said you know it had its good points there was a lot of good uh, and i'm glad i grew up there in many ways but it was just crushingly isolating if i want to see a movie let's just say you wanted to see a movie in the movie theater you know the new star actually this did happen let's say that the blair witch project comes out you know or the new star wars movie comes out um i mean when i was in high school they re-released the original star wars with like extra digital effects so when i wanted to go to that okay so if I wanted to go to that, let's go see a movie. Let's say I wanted to take a date and go see a movie. Well, I had to drive 30 minutes in the opposite direction, pick up my date, and then cross the border into the United States, and then drive an hour and a half to get to the movie theater. That's one way. So that's a two-hour drive one way, crossing the border <laughs> into the United States. Then I go to the movie theater, uh, so the movie, let's say, takes two hours. Well, then you got to get home. So you drive an hour and a half, cross the border, drop your date off, and drive half an hour home. That's a six-hour, six-hour process to write, a, watch a two-hour movie. You're driving for four hours. Now, let's say you want to go have some coffee, or like get a pizza, or even just you know hang out, try to, you know, make out under a bridge or something, whatever you want to do. You mean you're just adding to that six hours. Like think of, you know, let's say you leave your house at six. Well, you get back at midnight. That's your, you know, let's say your parents want you home by midnight. You know, if you leave at six, get back at midnight, you haven't left the car except to see a movie. It was just crushingly isolating. Um, and there's, there's no real internet. Like, like I had the internet, but it was the days of like, it took you two hours to download one song. Um, it just wasn't the connected world it was now. We didn't have smartphones, you know. I used to still remember when, I mean, I'm not that old, I'm like 39, but I still remember when I could dial four numbers. <laughs> like my friend was like, like if I want to call my grandma, I'd hit 5303, and that would dial my grandmother. I didn't have to dial, like, not even the area code. I didn't even have to dial the three numbers in advance because that's just how small everything was. Uh so anyway, the point is, I do remember what it was like to not have a network. If you think I'm just uh, jaded or I've forgotten, uh, it's not the truth. What people don't realize if they don't have a network is that their network doesn't really help them. It doesn't help at, well, I shouldn't say it doesn't help at all, but it really doesn't help. Uh, I like to tell a story about when I've published my book, uh, my first few books, 
um, so Alana Wilcox, who uh, is great and amazing editor, and also the you know uh, person more or less running Coach House Books. Uh, I met Alana Wilcox. I forget how I met her, but you know I met her through some people and I got to know her a little bit. And I ended up uh, in playing words with friends with her over Facebook. So we were like friendly enough that you know we would see each other, you know, at different places whenever she happened to be in the same location. I ended up seeing her for some reason. I'm playing like you know games with her over Facebook, right? You know, we're not super close, but you know we're friendly. Well. Around that same time, I finished my book, Ex Machina, and I think, well, this would be a good book for Coach House. I'll send it to Lana. And uh, she rejected it. So, um, But at the same time, we're playing Words with Friends. So there's actually a moment in human history <laughs> where you know, I make my move in Words with Friends and also make my move metaphorically by like mailing Lana this book for her publishing company. And then Lana makes her move in words with friends and then also makes her move rejecting my book and then you know it's my turn <laughs> so my move was just you know i made another move with friends and i sent my book to another publisher it didn't bother me that she rejected it um i mean i hoped that she would have accepted it i wanted the book to come out with a coach house but i didn't expect her to accept it just because we were friendly like it doesn't happen that way you know it's just got a business to run it's not like Publishing is is very relationship dependent and heavy in particular ways, but fundamentally, like those relationships just get you like it gets you accepted faster or rejected faster. So like there's a speed that comes with the relationship, but it doesn't change things fundamentally. Not really. You still have to do the work. Um, you know, Atlanta ended up selecting my next book, Clockfire. She published that. She accepted my third book. Politics Knives published that. I sent her another two books recently. She rejected one. You know? So that's like knowing me more, being friendlier with her, and having published two of my books. And, you know, still getting rejected by a lot of them. You know, she ended up accepting another book also, but um so I do have a book coming out with Coach House, you know, like I say, fall twenty nineteen, I'm putting out a book to Coach House, but fall twenty twenty um, another publisher, a great publisher, book uh, thug, book hug, whatever you want to say, is um, publishing a book that, you know, uh, I'm thrilled to be publishing with them. Just like Ex Machina, you know, Lana rejected that book. Well, uh, Jay Millar ended up accepting it at, Coach, uh, at Book Thug. Now, ultimately, that made the most sense. I didn't realize at the time, but like Book Thug was, they weren't really doing books at the time. But then I think my book was one of the first books with a spine that they ended up doing, like in terms of a trade book. Um, but in any case, um, the point is that these relationships, they can help you, but they just help you kind of get things faster. You get things published faster or rejected faster. But the difference isn't the relationship. The difference is just... Um, in speed uh, all I like to say that what your network really does is it gets your work rejected faster which isn't you know insignificant but those doors don't open for you just because your network or if they do open sometimes it's bad 
you know, some, you got to be able to ready to walk through that door. Like your work has to walk through the door. And if your work isn't ready to walk through the door, if it doesn't fit through that door, then whether the door's open or not, doesn't matter. Either the door's open and your work doesn't fit and it, you know, whether the door's open or not, doesn't make a difference. Or the door opens and you're not ready and you walk through and you fall flat on your face and it's worse than if you hadn't walked in you know so i think writers overvalue um overvalue their network in the sense of trying to open doors for you or trying to move your career along but i also think they um value it improperly because again the real value of your network of these you know amazing people that you've managed to connect with is just knowing them and in finding ways that you can help them not you know figuring out you know how can they help you so kind of along these two lines i think the third and most significant um reason to be generous with your in your work and you know, with your writing is because it makes you happier um there's a lot of science that goes along with this in terms of gratitude uh, and in you know, generosity. Um, but the fundamental way that it boils down uh, is maybe best described in a book by uh, Dr. Uh, Carol Dweck. Uh, the book's called um, Mindset. Uh, and Mindset, it kind of is about a different thing, but it's basically she's looking at psychology, uh, taking a psychological perspective she divides two different um, mindsets, what she calls a growth mindset uh, and a fixed mindset. Now, a growth mindset uh, is where you believe that qualities like intelligence or talent can be improved. Uh, whereas a fixed mindset is you believe that things like your intelligence, your talent are fixed. They're impossible to truly improve. Or you can make small and maybe minor changes that you can't make real fundamental changes so again what this matters is in some ways talking about talent writers sometimes believe that you're born with a certain amount of talent and you know you develop or don't develop that talent but it's fixed you know you've got a sort of limit to your talents so that's a fixed mindset um, and the other way of looking at things is a growth mindset you think that well may or may not have some natural talent example for writing um, but whether you do or don't you could either develop it or develop it you know massively um, just given how much work you put into it and how you work on it and so on and so forth in other words you have the potential for growth uh, versus you know you having this fixed limit now obviously there are certain limits to certain things you know if you're uh, physiologically um, built a certain way you can't maybe uh, you're going to hit limits potentially um, you know doing certain sports let's say uh, so like there but even in that sort of sports scenario where like you could find um, you know a person who's going to be limited in a particular physical manner at a particular physical activity usually there's still like the outliers the people that break through that um and there's ways around these limitations, generally speaking. Again, especially, but the first way around a limitation is to not see the limitation, to not see it as a fixed uh, 
quality that you have, but as something that you can kind of grow and develop beyond. Now that sounds very new agey, but there is a sort of scientific basis there. Where I want to bring it to generosity is something related to this is something that is an idea that you sometimes hear um, a mindset of abundance versus scarcity. Um, without getting kind of too fully into, um, you know, Dweck's research or these psychological concepts, I just want to note that it is fundamentally going to make you happier to assume, even if you're wrong, <laughs> to assume that um, you can be generous, that you don't have just a fixed amount of things. You don't just have a fixed talent. You don't just have a fixed intelligence. You don't just have a fixed amount of good work you can do. Um, but you always can do new work. So even if you're wrong, that attitude is going to make you happier. You know, being generous, giving things away uh, is going to make you happier. Um, here's a really simple example of it. So one, you know, again, if you're marketing well and from a generous place, you're going to build connections to an audience that supports you. Even if they don't support you financially, they may support you and your work um, with their enthusiasm and, you know, uh, the kind of love of your work. Um, if you're being generous in your, your quote-unquote networking, again, you're going to develop a community. You can become part of a world of people that um, you're happy to be connected to. And you're going to be, again, even if you're not making, developing or advancing your career necessarily, um, and, you know, even if that's a frustration that you have, being around these people is going, if you've got the right attitude around it, if you've got like, I just want to help these people no matter what, even if they can't help me, or even if I'm not going to go anywhere in my own career. Um, if you have that approach, um, you're going to end up, you know, happier than if you, you know, focus on the ways that they're beating you or focus on all the ways in which, you know, you wish they would help you, but they don't, you know, again, that kind of more positive approach, um, ultimately like, the results of certain things are out of your control. Uh, and you may have these really particular limits to your career or your mark just your work just may not be saleable or marketable. You know, it might be too weird. Uh, I mean, I think weird work is more saleable, but in any case, um, you'll just be happier for coming to things that place of generosity. And, you know, you won't experience the frustration as much when you do have a career frustration. Uh, but the other thing, just to really give a simple example, if you're thinking about your own talent and your own creative work, again, if you come at it from the approach of, I'm going to be generous with my work because I want to connect to people and I want it to matter to others the way it matters to me. Um, so, I, And if you decide you're going to be generous about it, you also inculcate this uh, mindset that there's more. You know, you just there's more where it came from. There's more um, where that came from. Um, the really simple example I like to give is a computer crash that eliminates and wipes out your work. You know, like everyone else, I've experienced that problem. You know, you have a computer crash or you lose some files or some issue, technologically speaking, and you lose work. Um, so whenever that happens... It used to really upset me, of course. As a, you know, it, it is upsetting. Um, but what I learned over the years after I kind of 
had been doing this for a while and I had, you know, adopted these more generous practices, what I realized is, oh, I can just make more work. Like, yes, it hurts to lose that thing that I lost, but there's more where that came from. I can just, maybe I can't do that again, but I can do something else. Uh, I'm not going to stop. Like, it's not fixed. I don't have a certain amount of creativity in me. And once it's gone, it's all gone. And so I have to be miserly about it. I have to, you know, charge money for this or, you know, keep this behind a paywall because, um, you know, that's who knows if I'll ever do anything that good again, you know, or I've got this book. I got to like find the perfect publisher and like, I got to like get the most amount of money. Like, no, 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 no. Like that's not the way to think about it. Um, if you believe fundamentally that you have a limit to your creativity and there's a limit to like how good you can do something, or if you think that like that was your only chance, that novel was your only chance to become a famous novelist or that, you know, short story is your only chance to, um, you know, win some award or whatever it is. If you've got like this idea that the work somehow is, um, something you need to be stingy about one, you're going to be miserable. Um, and two, you're going to just not make as much good work. Like you just will, you'll get frustrated, you'll become miserable and you won't um, develop the mindset you need to have, which is this kind of growth mindset. This like abundant um, attitude where you know in your heart, you know that you could do more work. You know, if that, if it was a mistake to give that thing away, if you could have made a bunch of money, you know, selling it in this particular way well it's okay because there's more where that came from you can just make another thing you can make another book if that one doesn't hit you know maybe it's frustrating but you can make another one you know you need to kind of have that attitude to be happy i also think practically speaking it will help your career to have that kind of an abundant uh mindset and attitude but more than anything i think you want to just not be miserable while you're doing this work um so for all sorts of reasons uh the best way to think is think generously so thank you for listening um i hope you're having a happy holiday whatever holidays you happen to celebrate um I'll talk to you next week and keep writing the wrong way. Yeah.